You're a fucking liberal piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Everybody. Thank you for joining us, episode 710. I got it with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Joining me today, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page. Is my face still red or has it has it gone down? Tomato face. Is it still red? Still red. Okay. Not nowhere near what it was. Uh, okay. I mean, well, you You have a a condition, let's say. A condition. Well, listen. Even when you get like a little a little worked up, a yeah. little like embarrassed, those kind of moments, your face goes red and splotchy. Yeah. But when you jump on that Peloton, mm-hmm. the bike, yeah, it's it's like you've been embarrassed to death. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I think part of that is I'm so pale. That any kind of movement or body heat at all comes out on my face. But yes, you're correct about emotions as well. If I if I get embarrassed, if I get angry, if I get excited, all the different emotions can turn my face red. But the Peloton, which we have a Peloton now, that's something that we got this summer, actually, After we were convinced by a friend who has one and swears by it and loves it, and we, Jesse, have different experiences with exercise and working out, you are, (laughs) you have been in your life more athletic than I have been in my life. Why, why, pray tell? Yeah, what? Are you emphasizing the the have had in, <laughs> have had experiences I, with that? No, I'm well. Hmm? Well, hmm? because you were like a star athlete in high school, and and I'm way fatter than I should be. Well, no, I'm just saying you're not uh, you're not uh, a star athlete anymore. That's all I'm trying to. I'm being how, very factually how accurate fucking in my dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you? Proclaim to the world yeah. that I am no longer yeah. a star athlete. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I was in cross country for three days in seventh grade. And I, I didn't know that that's what, what it was going to be. No, no, no. People just running yeah, for long that, periods of time outdoors. That's what you didn't know. You thought cross country was something other than I don't know what just I thought. running yeah, I, outside in the cold. I thought it would be fun. And it wasn't. So I stopped. I did I did wrestling when I was in elementary school mm-hmm. and my mom was a boxer so I sometimes went to the boxing gym with her that was fun I didn't mind wrestling I thought wrestling was actually pretty fun I was the only girl though and they do not go easy on you just because you're a girl uh, I, I wasn't expecting that right, when right. I went in, but then I was also on the C team for basketball in middle wow. school. So things weren't great the is what C I'm saying. Team. Yeah. And I never felt, <laughs> I never felt like it was important to exercise. And 
now I feel like that is important because I have very bad genetics. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Well, uh, no, I have. I come from unhealthy people. Yeah. I do. And I have some things going for me and that I'm not a drug user. <laughs> right, right, right. I drink very moderately. For sure, moderately. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to say modestly. I'm like, yeah, you're very modest when you drink. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah, we don't need to do a health assessment for me right now, though. But what I'm saying is, since I've started working out on the Peloton, my resting heart rate has gone down significantly. And it's just been, it's been really cool. I thought it would be corny having the instructors tell me that they know I'm trying my best and keep going and... I thought the same thing. But it's not. I love it. I'm like, tell me more that I can do it. Yes, I can. I well, can do it. Well, it's also, they don't do it in, in a corny fucking way. It's, they 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 fucking know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done it since I got the old, uh, the, the old <laughs> snip snip on the balls. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Because that would be painful. Oh, I can't even imagine. The seat is already... It's bad enough just sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in now. I can't imagine <laughs> on that hard-ass Peloton seat. Right, right. But but back to what I was saying. It's not... It's not... They do know. It's because right when you're feeling like, fuck. Yeah. Right when your elbows are starting to go out. Right when you're starting to slump over. They're like, don't slump over. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? Are they... Yeah. Are they checking me out here? Are they, do they know? Yeah. Even on a pre-recorded ride. So. Right. It's a it's a cool thing. Yeah. Slide to the back of the seat. This episode brought to you by Peloton. I know. We're not trying to sell Pelotons, but <laughs> it has been nice. because If you are going to buy one, though, we can give you a code and you can get money <laughs> off. Yeah. And they can get money off. That's true. That's true. Let us know. Um, but yeah, it has been nice because you can't go to the gym. Not that I've ever had a gym membership, but you can't you can't go to one. So even I love, if I wanted to go, you, I, I couldn't all go. <laughs> these all these qualifiers. I mean, you can't go to the gym. I mean, and then you laugh. I <laughs> It's not like I've ever gone to the no, fucking gym. I, I wish I was that person. I feel bad <laughs> being so lazy and living a sedentary lifestyle. But it started to get to that point where I would go to the doctor and I'm 31, I think. And they asked you me. You are 31. They asked me all the questions and it's like, how much exercise are you getting? And I would always say, ha, none. You know, and they're like, well, you're going to need to start doing that. <laughs> That's something that you need to do. I'm like, really? No one ever told me to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been nice. But let's talk about you being a star athlete in high school. I don't care about talking about that. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> D- did you get that vibe that I wanted to talk about the fact that I ran a 4440 or a sub 11 second 100 meter dash? <laughs> did you get that vibe? No, um, I don't care to talk about that. But I did. I ran track. Yeah. I ran track in high school. Yeah. It's in you is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is in the family. Like my hmm. my mom's big brother, who was like in college when she was born, held like track records from whatever university he went to that that stood for like decades after he left. Mm-hmm. So it, it is. It's kind of in the in the blood, I guess. Yeah, I sound like Donald Trump talking about good genes, <laughs> bad genes. I, I don't like it. Well, th- well, there are genetic predispositions, and that's fair to talk about. That's only why I reference. Yeah, it. no, 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 no. I know, but it's just a weird. There's certain there's certain phrases that for me have been fucking ruined. Sure. By Donald Trump, uh, both sides. Anytime anybody says anything about both sides, you cringe. I'm like, ugh, fuck. Don't say both it. sides has been ruined. You know, <laughs> good genes for me has been ruined by Donald Trump. Yeah. It's a fucking all these little casualties. Yeah. That you experience. 
experience. I wonder how many of those are going to pop up as we continue suffering through the aftermath of his administration. All the things that we're not thinking about that are going to come up that are ruined. Um, one thing that wasn't ruined was Thanksgiving. Thank you. That was exactly the, that was exactly the segue I was going to pull. I was going to have to interrupt to do it. Like I just did to thank you for doing it. Um, (laughs) just the, the progress of the show is just fucking being halted left and right. Okay. So we took the week off for Thanksgiving. We didn't plan to do that, but then it ended up happening. So I, I I need I needed some time. I feel a lot better. Me too. As I'm doing the show, I feel a lot better having taken the week off. And as everyone knows, 2020 has just been a hell year. What? Has it? <laughs> Best year ever. Yeah. And I I love how naive I was last New Year's when I'm posting like 2020 is going to be the best. <laughs> Like your Facebook memories. Yeah, it was not. Um, So Thanksgiving was nice, though. It was nice. You cooked a ham, not a turkey. No turkey this year. And it was it was lovely. But we normally do that positive good news only Thanksgiving episode. Have listeners call in and say what they're thankful for. No one was into it. Not a lot of people were into it. Very few people were in. I don't want to talk in absolutes. Very few people were into it. Yeah, so we decided to skip it. Yeah, not enough to do the episode. That, that's how many. Correct. But would you, Jesse, like to take some brief time just to reflect on Thanksgiving or what you're thankful for, or do you even want to skip that? No, no, of course. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that life, Brittany. Okay. No, I'm. Um, there's a lot to be thankful for this year. I did a very brief YouTube video about it, but there's great there's video. A, there's there's a whole bunch. Thank you. There's there's a whole bunch more. And I do, I do try to look on the bright side, and that's kind of what I was trying to convey without saying it in that video. That even amongst amidst the tragedies that we've encountered and all of the terrible shit that's gone on this year, there are still elements within the tragedy that we should be thankful for. The thank, thankful if you lost somebody to COVID, that you have the memories and the the experiences with that person. Anyway, I don't want to re- redo what I did on the video, but I'm, you know, look. My my daughter, I don't know, almost died, but very, very easily could have died in June. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that that she is well on the road to recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that we are in a in a in a financial and life situation that we were. I was able to move away, you know, twelve hundred miles away or whatever it is a thousand miles away for two months. And further, I'm thankful that we have friends who live right there, who it wasn't a major imposition to move in with them. Mm-hmm. Me and my kid. I mean, I'm just, we are, I, I something that a term that was ruined for, by Christianity for me was, was, was blessed. There's no other way to just lucky, very, very lucky. This year, I've got have several members of my family come down with COVID. None of them died. Very lucky. We're, we're just lucky in general. You know, we, we have a platform that we we're lucky to have. It's just luck, 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 luck. You know? Yeah. There's the, the, the turn of phrase about the, an embarrassment of riches. And that's how I feel this year. 
especially looking around at the the rubble, looking around at the catastrophic devastation that not only the coronavirus has brought upon us, but Donald Trump's fecklessness and inaction in the face of the devastation, the ignoring it, the doing nothing. Fucking Congress on both sides of the aisle doing very little, not enough at all to take care of people in need, in desperate fucking need. And we are not impacted in that way. And I'm, I just, I feel unworthy and and just lucky. There's no other, you know, very blessed. We're just very blessed. Well, and I certainly echo a lot of what you said, I, everything that you said, actually. Um, I think it's always useful to think about where where I was last year. That kind of gives me a good frame of mm, reference yeah. for what what has gone on and how I'm feeling about where I am now. And last year was a pretty difficult time. I think we were in a difficult space at that time. And I was working at an inpatient psychiatric hospital, getting ready to end my employment there and move on to new employment. And I have been thinking a lot about how how grateful I am to do the job that I that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do this and I really love this and I want to do more of this because I get to engage with a lot of my passions outside of my job on this show. But my other job is that I'm a, a full-time therapist. And in that role, I get to meet a lot of people and hear a lot of stories. And I am transformed by those stories and transformed by that work. And every day is a new challenge. Every day is a new opportunity for growth. And what's remarkable, I think, about the field and working as a therapist is that you are encouraged to constantly increase your education develop more, engage with your peers, learn from your peers. And I'm I'm grateful to have the peers that I have. I'm grateful to have the job that I have. And I'm grateful to be able to do the work that I do because mm. because it is powerful. Um, so that that's something that I'm certainly grateful for. And I am just thankful to have the people in my life that I have around me. And I'm I'm very grateful for that. I would I would add that to your thing. I would add that I think the people you work with, clients and and colleagues alike, I think those fuckers are lucky because they have someone who takes the work so seriously and not flippantly and not like your God's gift to the profession, but that you work <laughs> very fucking hard to be as good as you are at the job. It's not you don't think oh this just comes so naturally. I'm just good at this. You look at it as as a skill that you learn, that you're trained on, that you, I mean, you read apart from what 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 uh, even in grad school you were reading things apart from the curriculum about being good at what you were pursuing to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I just I admire the fuck out of. Um, I mean, if I was to ever go to therapy, I would want a Brittany Page because <laughs> you know there, you know because you're in the field. You know, because of, of having gone to grad school, not everybody is suited to the work. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to be negative. Well, thank you for all of that. I really appreciate it. I am also thankful for you, Jesse D, because 
this is a very unique and cool thing that we have here. And I mean, when you told me the episode number today, I said, hey, yeah. what episode is this? Because it's been a week. I forgot. I don't yeah. even know. It could be right. 300. It could be 1,000. I don't know. 300. And <laughs> you said 710. I'm like, what? Okay. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like all over again, I'm feeling the the joy and fulfillment that that we have felt over the years of being able to do this and it's it's good for us to do it too. Yeah. And then and then of course we we wouldn't we would be remiss or whatever the fuck the saying is <laughs> if we didn't say how thankful we are for the audience. For sure. You know, it 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 goes in part with hand in hand with our luck of even finding an audience. Yeah. Uh but we are we are immeasurably grateful mm-hmm. that people find us interesting or worth worthy of listening to um at all fucking at all yeah you, you know when i get asked a lot this the how'd you how'd you find how'd you end up successful on youtube and a podcast how how does that work how does that happen yeah and no one ever likes the answer because it's not like formulaic it's it's fucking lucky man Mm-hmm. There, there, there's probably ten thousand creators out there on YouTube and, and in podcast land who do better work than us. Certainly, better work than I do on YouTube. Who are likely never going to find an audience. Yeah, it is luck. It is, it is at the being at the right time, in in the right place, finding the right people to happen to. You know, this just. We love you guys. We we appreciate every single one of you for spending any time at all. Listening to to me fucking drone on and listening to Britney say succinct and intelligence thing, intelligent things. Well, I think a lot of people listening to you right now are probably thinking, okay, wow, he has said the word luck a lot and he's giving a lot of credit to luck. And it's not to discount the work that you have put in or the unique voice that you you do bring to these platforms and just your abilities and and your charisma it's just you're also trying to account for the aspect of luck, which yeah. so often is not even discussed in these conversations about how people get to where they are. I'm not at all talking about that th- th- I just lucked into it. Right, it, right. Hadn't I taken advantage of, had, both of us, hadn't right, we right. Um, strategically take advantage of certain um, market factors relative to audience and, and uh, Donald Trump or whatever the fuck, then we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah, but without the luck, you don't have anything to take advantage of. For sure. And first and foremost, the luck needs to be, uh, credit needs to be given to it. Yeah. Of course we work hard. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking, I work my fucking ass off. Yes. I drain the shit out of, I'm, sometimes I am just, I am tapped. There's nothing left. Hence the week off. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I need, and you know what? I'm, I think we're going to start doing that more often because I really feel I feel solid right now. Yeah, I, I feel, feel very, especially like maybe not right before the mics went hot, but as soon as they went on, yeah, it's like ah, this is our home. I really feel good. I'm I'm looking forward to 2021 for sure. Just get that fucking vaccine going, man. I know, <laughs> and that's the other thing. It really this pandemic rained on several parades. All the parades, all the parades were rained out, but we were getting ready to start like traveling. Not those, not those Trump boat parades. 
We had a speaking engagement planned in North Carolina. And in April, almost a year ago. Yeah, we had to cancel that. And, and we're hoping that once things get back to a state of normal, we can start doing some of that because I think that that would be really great. Yeah. So we are hopeful about things to come and we hope all of you had a very safe and happy holiday. And we're looking forward to how things unfold. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email us. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Whether it be an email or a voice memo, we would love to hear from you. We are going to, as they say in the radio business, reset the phone lines. <laughs> we're going to start from scratch. We do have some calls and some emails, but we're going to reset after Thanksgiving a whole new batch. If you got something you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Help us move the conversation forward. All right, moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have several new Patreon supporters to announce. We have Rebecca M. Rebecca M. Dalton B. Dalton B. Francis. Francis. Francis did not put a uh, last name down. Unnecessary information. Okay. <laughs> Bigly Clutch Crits. Bigly Clutch Crits. Are they trying to fuck up the show? <laughs> Are they trying to fuck up the flow of the show with that? Brenda T. <laughs> Brenda T. And the man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. And then we want to give a shout out to Andrew P. Andrew P. more than doubled the pledge. And that is all of the Patreon updates. But you did not say. Andrew P. Yeah, what's happening right now? Andrew P. Perfect. So. And. Normally, right now, we would give a promotion of our Amazon link, but because it was turned off, because Jeff Bezos was sick of paying us commission on the items that were purchased through that link, we're no longer promoting that link, but we're still angry about it because we're talking about it. But I want to promote- we, you're talking about it. We're very upset about it. I mean, fuck it. that guy, but for other reasons. Sure. So, bookshop.org is a website that you can go to in order to support local bookstores. Yeah, this is not a plug. This is not a promotion. I mean, this is not a, a paid ad. Yeah, we're not being paid for this. Yeah, th you're doing it in the course of a space that is kind of set aside for promotion and advertising. That's but true. But we're moving back into the normal programming. This is something that's important as a way <laughs> to, to fuck Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I'm trying to shit on Amazon because normally we would promote the Amazon link. But instead of doing that, I want you guys to think about how to support local bookstores. Yes. So if you are shopping on Amazon for your books, try not to do that anymore and go to bookshop.org and you can type in your city, your zip code and look for a local bookstore in your area that can ship the book to you rather than using Amazon. We're not going to be able to get rid of Amazon. It's going to be here. People are going to continue to use it. You can get stuff in 24 hours. Everyone loves the convenience. But if we can start to move away from that a bit 
and support local bookstores instead. You may not get it in 24 hours, but you can wait a week. It's just going to sit around anyway. You're not going to read it, okay? You're just going to collect them like me and and have five books that you're reading at one time, okay? Not only that, but you might get it a day later. I mean, it, it might not even be a fucking week. Yeah. But it's important to support local businesses, one, but also small businesses. For sure. Because Jeff Bezos doesn't fucking need your money. Yes, yes. So again, bookshop.org. We put it on the Facebook page. We will likely be promoting this from time to time again, even though we're not getting paid for it. I just think it's really important that we start to move away from Amazon as much as possible. Gives me a good feeling. Does it? A real warm, moist feeling. Um, don't. (laughs) What? What are you doing? I have no People are trying to have a good Monday. Idea. They're trying to have a good day. And then you go and do that. I'm the worst. Douche chill. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for all your support for all these years. You're the best. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we have all bared witness to the fact that Donald Trump is a conspiracy theory nutter butter. That Donald Trump has damaged his own chances at being reelected president by shitting on vote by mail. That the vast, vast majority of ballots cast by mail were Democrats because Donald Trump convinced his loyal horde of supporters that that wasn't the way to do it. That you should go to the polls in person, vote in person, because that's the the, the right way. And he lost. He lost pretty big. Joe Biden, over 80 million votes. Well, his fervence for touting conspiracy theories and calling into question the legitimacy legitimacy of the election is now causing the Republican National Committee problems separate and apart from the presidential election. Because we have a runoff in Georgia. And if both, it has to be both, if both of those seats go blue, the Senate is in the control of the Democrats. We will likely have, I mean, a Chuck Schumer as a majority leader, which is a fucking bummer, but we will have Democrats in charge Mm -hmm. in the Senate. Yeah, and that is John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock that are running for those seats. And there has been criticism of John Ossoff because he does not support Medicare for all. But again, this is a situation where we need the majority and <laughs> he is not the perfect candidate, but he At is he not. is the candidate that would give a majority. So that is important to have. So right now, Ronna McDaniel, who is Mitt Romney's like fucking niece or something, she's the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee. And she's down there fighting for these two seats in the face of these conspiracy nutter butter Trump um, supporters who are throwing questions at her saying that they're not going to vote because it's already been decided. Donald Trump's conspiracies are now harming the chances of a majority in the Senate. Brian, you heard an unusual exchange today between the Republican National Committee chairwoman and some Georgia Republican voters. Tell us what happened. 
Yeah, Boris, it really was a fascinating morning. Uh, GOP chairwoman Ronna McDaniel here in Georgia trying to fire up the base of Republicans to get out and vote in these crucially important Senate runoffs. The Republicans have to win at least one of these races if they want to retain control of the Senate majority. But after she gave her pitch to these voters, uh, the people in the audience started hammering her with questions about the November election and specifically the way that the Georgia race was run. They were demanding that she do more to help help President Trump try and overturn the results of this election. In fact, listen to this one exchange between McDaniel and a few of these Republican voters. How are we going to use money and work when it's already decided? It's not decided. This is the key. It's not decided. If you lose your faith and you don't vote and people walk away, that, that will decide it. So we have to work hard Trust us, we're fighting. We're looking at every legal avenue. Get that word So now that's just one Republican voter, Boris, but it demonstrates the worst-case scenario for Republicans here in Georgia. If Republicans don't have faith in the electoral process, and if they're so obsessed with President Trump's efforts to undermine the credibility of this election, there's a real worry that they may not show up on January 5th. Now, McDaniel really tried to turn it back on these voters. She said to them that it was so important for them to vote. She tried to instill some level of confidence while at the same time entertaining this idea that there was something fraudulent uh, about the election in November. Keep in mind, in Georgia, the election system here is run completely by Republicans. The secretary of state is a Republican. The governor, Brian Kemp, he is a Republican. Both of them are big supporters of President Trump. Boris, at this event we were with today, uh, with uh, Chairwoman McDaniel, there was someone in the crowd who actually screamed out, Kemp is a crook, talking about the Republican governor who is a supporter of President Trump. It's essentially becoming a Republican civil war to a certain extent, where there's a lot of angst among rank-and-file Republicans who have a lot of passionate support for Donald Trump. Both David Perdue and Kelly Leffler need those voters to come out and support them on January 5th if they hope to win these seats and retain control of the Republican majority in the United States Senate. So even, listen, even if they lose a few thousand votes of people who are, are, are turned off by it or really believe that it doesn't matter if they vote, this could be a, a big win. For Democrats, a big win toward getting the majority back in the Senate. Well, and it's it's tough. They put themselves in a terrible position with all yeah, this yeah. because you're saying the election is a fraud. You're also telling them that they really need to vote. Right. It's really important that you do I mean, that. And it's not like Donald Trump has just faded off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. He's He went on Fox News today for like 45 fucking minutes with Maria Bartiromo. And it was unhinged. Everything. Just no evidence, obviously, because there is no evidence, but just speculation what where's is the fbi involved is the justice department involved who knows he's just he's a fucking wild man yeah and these these diehards are listening to him they believe him there's a massive swath of the american people who fucking believe that this election was not secure that wasn't free that wasn't fair
Well, and today, Jesse, you made a really good point because we mm. were talking about... <laughs> Let me hear this good point I made. Well, we were talking about the reporting from the Daily Beast today. They cited sources familiar with conversations about Donald Trump's possible 2024 run and how there's conversations now that he's going to be hosting a campaign event yeah. for that 2024 presidential bid during Biden's inauguration. <laughs> and you made the comment that this is really going to throw a wrench into things for the up and coming rising stars in the Republican Party, the younger people who would be drawing attention to themselves over the next four years in an effort to get themselves on that stage to yeah. be considered for the next Republican president, presidential candidate. And that is a new <laughs> exciting development. I well, think. I mean, he's really just going to it's he's fucking the Republican Party six ways from Sunday or whatever the phrase is. The saying is you're having a problem with sayings. Today. I love the sayings, but I don't always get them right. So I just <laughs> want to get it out there right away. Right. It's probably not the right way to say it. Yeah. It's the effort that counts. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm thinking about it. You're getting there. It's close. Uh, but, uh, but, uh. Yeah. Listen, think about the types like Tom Cotton. I mean, the, the Ted Cruz's and <laughs> Tom the, Cotton. He's a rising star. He has his eyes set to 2024. Yeah. Perfect. So, and he's a fucking dipshit, but he is a legitimate candidate in GOP world. <laughs> hmm. uh, but think about this, that he's going to either have to forego and wait another four years to wait till till 2028 or... He's going to have to buck Donald Trump, take Donald Trump on, which is a risky gamble of, of whether he's going to have um, a constituency turn their back on him. Yeah, I think that having a 2024 campaign event on Inauguration Day would just be... It's so Donald Trump. It's so Donald Trump. And I'm reading this reporting. They cited a University of Richmond law professor who's calling it unprecedented, that no one has ever done what he's Ugh. considering doing. Yeah, we know. and We get it, dude. What would we, what would we expect? Is, is Donald Trump going to welcome the Bidens to the White House and show them around and... Uh, tell them what the last four years have been like and leave a nice little letter about... Want, by the way, who fucking wants Donald Trump at the inauguration? I don't fucking want him there. I know people will say, well, it's good for the transfer of power and you need it. It's, it's, it symbolizes the... Shut up! We don't fucking want him there. We want to be fucking rid of this guy. I almost... Pulled away well, it wouldn't in, make in, sense in after all this, you know? I mean, it, it, it's similar to, and it's not as though Barack Obama had much of a choice because he would have been, there would have been people in the streets if he hadn't allowed Donald Trump to come to the White House. Yeah, but it's but also after we, birtherism and about all the racism, yeah. seeing them together, it just didn't make sense. And so if, if that were to happen again, it's like, wait a minute, you're sitting down with this authoritarian who is openly racist and it's horrifying to think about that. We're in a place where it doesn't even make sense at this point for them to sit together and act like we're in a normal space. We're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. We're not in a normal space. Like you said or yelled, it's time to move on. I don't, I don't remember yelling. That seems that seems made up. Okay. Listen, it, <laughs> these performative actions that everybody insists that we make about we, we need to for the unity of the country, for the good of the country, for healing and blah, blah, blah. Shut up! Shut the fuck up! 
There will be no healing while Donald Trump is in office. There will be no healing while Donald Trump is involved. I don't know who I'm yelling at because everybody is, I'm assuming everyone would be agreeing with me. But no, we don't need to, we don't need to convince him to let him do his little fucking dog and pony show. Awesome. Fantastic. Let Joe Biden be inaugurated and then we'll move on into the next nightmarish period of American history with, which is what we're going to talk about next. These two new conservative media outlets that are trying to overtake Fox News as the conspiracy um, purveyor du jour. Well, and you've already heard one American news because Chanel, I'm trying to Google her name. Rion. Rion. Chanel Rion. You can tell you can tell when she starts talking in the press briefing room when she asks a question because it's completely unhinged and yeah. just separate and apart from what everyone else is saying. <laughs> People are a- asking legitimate questions and then she opens her mouth and she says something completely insane well it's it's like everyone's asking like why what is the the problem with the pandemic and funding this or blah 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 and then she gets her chance and she's listen uh most america believe that you're the greatest president emperor the 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 earth has ever known how is it that you're so good i mean that's (laughs) the kind of question she asks exactly that may be you're reading from a transcript right Uh, not far off i mean really (laughs) that's the kind of shit she asks yeah it's alarming so anyway um Brian Stelter, who I usually am not a giant fan of because, I don't know, he's fucking annoying. He's but like a media reporter for CNN, right? Yeah, he covers media and and kind of just um, the landscape of journalism, but he does it for CNN. He used to do it for the New York Times. And he put this piece together about right now, this jockeying for position in a post-Trump world with Fox News, Newsmax, and OAN. Where'd you get your news from? <laughs> OAN, baby. OAN? <laughs> They're a lot more honest than you. Even Fox News is crooked. For the first time, Fox News is facing real competition from the right. Welcome to our new viewers. If you are watching Newsmax TV or One America News, you are hearing lies that President Trump is going to win a second term. Trump won the election. He'll win the recount. He'll win in court. Right now, Joe Biden is pretending to be the president-elect. Let me be clear. Those are conspiracy theories and baseless accusations. So Fox News has traditionally been defined by the fact that it has a a kind of newsy operation and then it has a very strong sort of network-defining opinion operation. We here at One American News are the only ones providing truthful, accurate numbers. For OAN and Newsmax and the like, there is less of a concern with journalistic integrity, which means that there's actually less of a need to be pinned down by particular reported facts. Now that Fox has joined the mainstream media in censoring factual reporting... Any time that there has been any daylight between Fox News and President Trump, that's where OAN and Newsmax see themselves as having kind of a, a competitive advantage. The Fox News decision desk is calling Arizona... When Fox News called Arizona and eventually the presidency for Biden, some viewers were not happy. Fox News is going to tell you to sit on your couch and accept that this election was stolen from you like a good little, you know, person. 
Newsmax and OAN saw an opening, and they've capitalized on it with conspiracy theories. Newsmax has not called the election for Joe Biden, not because we support Donald Trump, because we support democracy. Every vote should count, Brian. This alternative universe where the election is not over and where Trump might still win is resonating. OAN's ratings are not publicly available, but Newsmax's ratings are, and the channel has seen real growth over the three weeks surrounding the 2020 election. Newsmax drew an audience of 63,000 viewers a day the week leading up to November 3rd. Two weeks later, the average audience was more than six times that size. These numbers are still pretty small in comparison to the millions who flock to Fox News every night. But this surge is the first time in Fox's history that any conservative competitor has posed a serious threat. So when we talk about conservative television, we often think only of Fox News. It's dominated the landscape since it first was launched in 1996. There was some conservative television as way back as the 1960s and the 1970s, but it's not really until Fox News comes on the scene in 1996 that people begin to see that it is possible to be profitable with some sort of conservative targeted programming. Two years later, Newsmax.com and an accompanying magazine were launched by Chris Ruddy, a former reporter and longtime friend of Donald Trump. This is during the Clinton years where there were all of these scandals being generated by right-wing media. And that's really the environment that something like Newsmax comes out of. And I was part of the that machine, sort of that the Clinton attack machine that went after after the president at the time. Newsmax was profitable in its first decade, largely thanks to its newsletters. The 24-hour cable channel Newsmax TV was launched in 2014. When Fox started almost 20 you know, years ago, yeah. we had a problem yeah. with the liberal media, and we still have the same problem. It hasn't changed. Thank you, Owen. One American News came later. Robert Herring, a businessman with no prior journalism experience, created the channel in 2013 to relative obscurity. And early broadcasts look pretty amateur. Trump's campaign for president was really the turning point for OAN. In 2015, the channel started to gain a following by live streaming Trump rallies in full. On both platforms, the president has enjoyed glowing coverage. You know what he reminds me of a little bit? Our president, Rocky. And softball questions. You're at the top of your game. What's your secret? In return, he <laughs> praises them. Newsmax is doing a great job. OAN has been uh, fantastic. I mean, really fantastic. They've been great. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not happy with Fox. And the lies and conspiracy theories peddled by these outlets have contributed to a widespread lack of faith in the election. A recent Monmouth poll found that Republicans' distrust, in particular, rose sharply. In the aftermath of the election, 61% of Republicans are not at all confident that the election was fair and accurate. And the big question is, how temporary or not temporary is this? Are people switching over there full time? Or is this just kind of a protest viewing that will eventually move back to Fox News? And that is what we're facing right now. Those two networks are now, and look, this might be just a flash in the pan. And Fox News is going to find a way, just because it's a network behemoth, to to answer these two tiny networks and smash them and crush them, mm -hmm. just based on capitalism. That might be the case. But, but before, did you hear that question? Yeah. 
That was, was that was her, Chanel Rion. The question was, you're at the top of your game. <laughs> What's your secret? Yeah. <laughs> it's very close to the question that you came up with earlier. It was a beautiful example. So funny. Very so, typical. So listen, this I just want everybody to be prepared that it's likely to get a lot worse relative to the conspiracies and the nuttiness and the unhinged detachment from reality uh, than it is even now. It's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And we should really steel ourselves for that that possibility. Yeah, for sure. So the other thing that I think we need to prepare ourselves for is moving forward with the Joe Biden administration. We've talked about this before, that you're going to hear criticisms. And, and, and we are prepared to break those criticisms down and to level them when they are necessary. Right now in America, because of the coronavirus, but also because of the inaction of Congress, the inaction of Donald Trump, Nearly 7 million households right now in America are at, at risk of eviction. And there's a map that shows it. And it is it is stark that the majority of America is has... Um, what are the figures? Well, the Census Bureau conducted a survey. And they found, as of November 9th, when the survey was conducted, about 5.8 million adults say they are somewhat to very likely to face eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. This accounts for, according to Bloomberg, a third of the 17.8 million adults and households that are behind on rent or mortgage payments. Yeah. Millions and Mi- millions. Millions of people. Yeah. Millions of Americans could soon be forced out of their homes. A federal eviction moratorium is set to expire at the end of the year. The protections were initially part of the CARES Act, which Congress passed back in March. But those expired at the end of July. The CDC stepped in after Congress failed to reach a new stimulus deal. Using its authority under the Public Health Service Act, the CDC put a new ban on evictions. Now that ban is set to expire on December 31st. For more, I'm joined by CBS News Money Watch reporter uh, Irena Ivanova. Thank you so much for joining us, Irena. Today, how many Americans are we talking about that could lose their homes in the coming months? There have been some estimates uh, out on this, and they're they're a little bit all over the place, but we're talking about millions and millions of people uh, potentially um, in any situation. Uh, Just last week, we saw a report from the University of Arizona and the National Low Income Housing Coalition. Uh, They looked at census data, and they figured that about uh, 7 million, nearly 7 million households uh, could be evicted at the end of this year. Uh, That translates into about 20 million people. Um, Now, for perspective, uh, 7 million is roughly the number of foreclosures that we saw during the nine years after the housing bubble and the Great Recession that followed. But again, that was a nine-year period. Uh, What Mm -hmm. we're looking at now potentially is a Great Recession-scale crisis in a much, much shorter time. So there are many directions to take in discussing this. And we have been talking about the failures of the government throughout the pandemic response. And when I say the failures of the government, I'm talking about America. I'm talking about the United States government because other countries have been very successful in navigating the pandemic. Yes. So we have not. 
and the government has not been doing enough to support its citizens. There are people that I know, I know many people that are having to make a decision every day about their health and safety and the trade-off of exposing themselves possibly to COVID in their workplace or having to be poor and not pay their bills and not make their rent. And a lot of those people work in the restaurant or food industry. And I recently read um, a profile of Jose Andres, who is the director of field operations for World Central Kitchen, which is a disaster relief organization that he founded in 2010, I believe. And that sounds about right. He, he, I mean, talk about being a candidate for sainthood. Goddamn, that guy. Amazing. For sure. I mean, in World Central Kitchen's history, they have fed survivors of earthquakes in Indonesia. They've gone to Hawaii, Guatemala, forest fires in California, Australia, hurricanes in Florida. They served 3.7 million meals in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria in 2017. Yeah. And... His his model for World Central Kitchen, he actually wrote an op-ed in March that we talked about in the show. And remember in March, seems like a long time ago, when things were really getting started and kicking off with the pandemic here in the United States, and there was a push for the government to do something. Yeah, remember they gave $1,200 nine months ago? Yeah. So it, it ends up being, if you look at it from today, it's like $33 a week from then until now. Oh, wow. Really, really making sure people are taken care of in the United States during a fucking pandemic. Yeah. Well, he wrote an op-ed talking about World Central Kitchen and what they do, which is, I mean, they do a lot, but essentially what one part of their organization does is they go into these areas and they use federal dollars, donation money, and they fund restaurants They fund the people who work in those restaurants to serve the meals to people who are in need. Yes. And that was one of his suggestions for what the United States government could do. He suggested that you call the emergency relief program America Eats Now and you provide federal dollars for restaurants so that restaurants are able to keep their employees employed. And then you're also able to feed people that need meals. And you can do that in restaurants. You can do that in schools. It's not always a field kitchen that they set up. Right. They they work with established um, restaurants with kitchens and operations. So the infrastructure is already there. Right. And he suggested this. And one, he and Donald Trump are mortal enemies. I mean, they don't get along because he pulled out. Of one, I think the Donald Trump's D.C. Re- um, hotel mm. was going to have a restaurant in there, but he wouldn't work with a racist, mm-hmm. and so you know they're oil and water, and uh, they didn't take his advice. Right. But think about how that would have affected and impacted the the country had they done that. For sure. All the people who work in the restaurants are still working. The people who own the restaurants are still having revenue. It is helping to prop up a beleaguered economy, but they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And they're continuing to not fucking do that. Right. And we are now at a place with the coronavirus that makes everything that we've experienced up to this point look like fucking child's play. Mm -hmm. Almost 100,000 Americans right now are in hospitals because of COVID. It's like 93 or 95,000 Americans 
are in or hospitalized right now. We drove around this weekend to touristy spots around Orange County, Mm -hmm. the beaches. We drove to Laguna. We drove down to Newport Beach. And it's it's a fucking nightmare. Mm -hmm. In two weeks, it's going to be carnage here in California. Well, and as we sit here and talk... Statewide and in L.A. County, average daily coronavirus cases have quadrupled and hospitalizations have tripled. Yeah. And and so you have that going into what is going to be an inevitable surge, I would think, based on Thanksgiving traveling, which you saw, and just what we saw this weekend yeah. out and about. But going back to Jose Andres, so the fact that a celebrity chef running this organization is able to do more oftentimes than the federal government. I mean, what does that say? Then the federal government of the United States of America, the wealthiest country on the globe. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It's disgusting. It's a choice that the United States government has made to be ineffective to be a detriment to progress and aid in time of need. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. Yeah, it's definitely a failure. And and listen, a it's, choice, it's like you not said. just Republicans who need to be criticized. Democrats, they're there too. And of course, it's a negotiation. But nothing's getting done. They're going on vacation Rather than staying and work, even if it's just for fucking solidarity's sake, you stay. You show the American people you want to put in the work. You want to help. You want to do something. And that's not what I'm seeing from Democratic leadership. It's certainly not what I'm seeing from Republicans, but that's what we fucking expect. Mm -hmm. It is a, is a, a moral outrage. That nine months ago, $1,200 was sent out, and then that's it. When industries all across the country are being impacted, shut down. And it's not just the businesses that we're worried about. It's the people. It's the workers who cannot get on their feet, who've been furloughed. That the, the $600... Um, extra benefit has it's gone. They can't pay their bills. They they've lost their jobs. They don't have insurance, health insurance, because of the fact that they don't have a job. Millions of Americans. Yeah, and and people are people are right, correct to be angry about this new round of shutdowns because the government is failing to provide and do something about that. And I I. I read stories all day long about these injustices and I just feel sick because there were solutions offered from people like Jose Andres who had this solution that that he was offering based on historical precedent of previous things that have been done and just falls on deaf ears. Well, hopefully moving forward, I I mean, we're going to have to wait until January 20th. But hopefully they hit the fucking ground running and get something done immediately, immediately to 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 uh, lessen the suffering and the misery of millions of Americans. And it's not. Listen, 
I want to reinforce that this is not just a Republican thing. This weekend in California, in Los Angeles, Gavin Newsom, his California Highway Patrol was kicking people out of these state-owned homes that were vacant homes that people were moving into because they have no place to go. And they had armed agents of the states, assault weapons, drawn, removing families with infants by force. On Thanksgiving Eve, this was this was the day, this was the night before Thanksgiving. And like you said, these are vacant state-owned homes. Yes. They are owned by the California Department of Transportation, Caltrans. Because they were they bought these homes, this track of homes that they were going to demolish to like widen the freeway access or something. Yeah, expanding the freeway. But that is an abandoned plan. They no longer have that plan. So, yeah, they, so they just own homes now. They own 163 homes. homes. Ugh. Yeah, that's a lot of homes to own that are just vacant out there in Los Angeles that could be housing the, what is it? There's like almost 70,000 people that have no place to go. They're homeless in Los Angeles. And then when the press reaches out to Gavin Newsom, Democrat, he fucking ignores their request for comment. He has the power to fucking change this, that they're with armed agents of the state. Removing families. This isn't like the homeless guy down the street that you don't want to look at. These are fucking families. Well, in the... Shame on you, Gavin Newsom. Shame on you. You're referring to a request that was made by an activist group called Reclaim and Rebuild Our Community. And they call the people who are homeless who move into these vacant homes reclaimers. And this organization reached out to Gavin Newsom and said, hey, listen, you have this this directive to stay at home, to comply with state and city directives. Can you intervene and allow these homeless families to stay in these homes, these vacant homes, in order to comply with your stay at home order? Because otherwise these families yeah. have no home to go to. And, and there was no response. Yeah. The same governor who goes to a, a fancy dinner at the French Laundry with people outside of his household. And then when he gets caught, when he gets caught, when he gets caught, then he's like, oh, made a mistake. Shouldn't have done that. Everybody follow my edicts. Everybody listen to my commands. But I'm going to act completely in contravention of those exact same orders that I expect and require the people of California to abide by. Fuck this guy. Well, and one thing that California has done pretty well is the Project Room Key, which provided money for hotels to house the homeless during the pandemic. We had praise for Gavin Newsom for this. Right. And he recently announced an additional $62 million in emergency funding to allow counties to keep homeless individuals sheltered who were actually going to be evicted from the hotel rooms by the end of the year. So that's that's good. I mean, it's about 28,000 people, like 17% of the, the state's homeless population that have received placement under the Project Room Key program. So only 17%. Yeah, I'm sure the families who were had uh, automatic weapons pointed at their fucking faces to get out of the state-owned homes. I'm sure they're very happy about those other people in those hotel rooms. 
it, it's not enough. They're not doing enough. I, I'm not yelling. I'm not saying you. I know I, well, you're I'm, like, oh, Jesus, not, I'm not. I'm just, I'm hoping that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here doing a song and dance for Gavin no, Newsom. No, of course what I, you're not. What I'm saying is this one specific program has done some good. It's not nearly enough at all. What it shows me, what it should tell you, everybody, is that he knows what it takes to get the fucking job done. He knows what he can do, what power there is vested in him as the governor of the state to organize and orchestrate some kind of relief. And instead, he's not getting it fucking done. In extraordinary times, he is not getting it done. Yeah, and like like I said, jumping back to Jose Andres, who I really would love to talk to. I'd love to have him on the show because I he's You hear that, Jose? Yeah. Come on the show. He's one of my heroes and I just there's so much to learn from him. And and I wish that the government would listen to him because World Central Kitchen has been so successful in providing in the aftermath of these disasters and coming in to use the resources on the ground. Not necessarily importing food, but coming in, finding an empty restaurant, buying the food that's sitting in their freezers. They don't just make MREs either, by the way. It's fresh, delicious meals using the the resources. Free of charge, by the way. They're not charging for these meals. This is, they are taking care of people. Right. Yeah. People without, they are giving them. Yes. The way it should be done. Mm -hmm. The way our government is fully capable of doing. Listen, take it from me. With very little effort, we have the logistical power and know-how to get set up to to overtake a country. To wipe out a country's military and occupy the nation of Iraq. We know how to get shit done relative to feeding hundreds of thousands of people. If we could do that in Iraq, why can't we do that in Houston? Why can't we do that in Los Angeles? Why can't we do that in other cities across the the nation where there is a dire need for government involvement? The answer is we can. We don't have the willpower to do so. Neither Republicans or Democrats right now have the fucking what it takes to do it. Mm-hmm. And you can't, listen, you cannot just say that it's, oh, the Republicans won't, and then the Democrats, no. You, ha- you have to deal with the other side. We don't have a situation. Our system of government isn't one which the Democrats can just do everything or, or the Republicans can. You have to get together to get it done. Even if that means sacrificing some shit, you don't want to fucking sacrifice. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Catching my breath, Brittany Page. <laughs> yes. Email us. I doubt it at dollamore.com. I think we're done. Well, we, that could have been uh, asshole of today for the California. Me? No, <laughs> the oh. California <laughs> California Highway Patrol. Yes. Or even Gavin Newsom, I guess. It was kind of a... I don't mind making him asshole today. A blended conversation. But I would love to hear from the audience. If you 
have been reading stories about the eviction crisis, about the rising levels of hunger across the nation, and you are reading about possible solutions to those things that you feel are not getting enough attention, that the government needs to be prioritizing, I would love to hear those things. So please tell us about them, 657-464-7609, or send a voice memo of fewer than three minutes to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you've never written into the show, called into the show, save the information in your phone, and then you can just pause the podcast while you're listening and pick up the phone and and leave us a message. Yes. That's a good way to do it. All right. Well, with that, we're going to leave you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for all of your listenership. Thank you for all of your support. You are what? You are the, the fuel that... That uh, fuels the show or whatever the fuck. I'm done. Anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.